I'm Lauren. And I'm Annie. Welcome, Welcome to Burf Barf. This week on Burf Barf, we are uh, giving you a little review, a little taste of uh, how everything went at Cloud Splitter 100. Which was our big adventure this weekend, as well as getting a chance to talk about Lauren's first 100 miler since I got to blather on about mine last week. So Yeah, I was really dying there. I was... Why can't I talk more about me? Yeah, so I'm sure those of you who know Laura may know that that's a struggle she has on a daily Cold basis. Hard it. Mm. I'm doing uh, better. Yeah, so we also are a little bit more nervous this episode than last one because we've set the bar so high for I know. Our, you God. Know, what we, our audience demands. Right? Literally millions of people listening now. <laughs> it's just, I mean, the pressure, the pressure's on. The pressure's I on. Mean, we're right up there with, you know, Ginger Runner. And Jameel Curry. Jameel Corey. The, I mean, the greats, you know. Yeah. People following along on their daily yep. adventures. Yep. But, people uh, have just been, like, you know, calling me every day, like, oh, Lauren, we need to give an interview with you. And I'm like, please stop. <laughs> Not yet. I We're just trying to get Ep1 up on the board. I have a podcast to record. Yes. Exactly. Okay. But enough about us. Enough about <laughs> us. So, Cloud Splitter 100. What to say? What um, to say? Well, first of all, yuck. <laughs> never, never again, please, for the rest of my life. Yeah. So we and we'll, we should be more specific about saying why yuck. So uh, first of all, Cloudsporter 100, a uh, race, a uh, hundred mile race, a exclusively hundred mile race, which now that I mention is kind of some. No, I'm sorry. No. Oh my gosh, hundred mile, hundred k. 50K. 50K distance. 25K. A 25K distance. Thank you. There we As go. As you can tell, we are very focused on our 100-mile runner. We're also a little bit brain fried from not sleeping all weekend, and we have yeah. really still not cut up. So forgive us if we're a little bit zip-zappy, because we are just... A little bumbly still. We're a little bumbly. Yes. And I think all of our friends are, too. So, Cloudswater 100, 100-mile, 100 100K, 50K, 25K. Um, we were there crewing and pacing our dear friend Morgan Green on her first 100 mile attempt. Wow. Which has been a long endeavor for yeah. her. Yeah, a long time coming. She's been uh, a little bit nervous about stepping up to the up to the plate on that one. And uh, I feel like everybody always knew that she could do it. And I think she was the only one who was unsure in the whole world. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. And this is a person who, when it comes to her racing attempts, she maps Every, she maps everything out. Like, yeah. it's, you know, how does this fit in with my work life? How does this fit in with all other obligations I have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The weather I like to train in, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Laura and I were just like, we'll just sign up for this race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she, she's very formulaic when it comes to what she plans to do. And I feel like I, I would say that easily Morgan could have done 100 last fall and has just been putting it off. She's done really incredible things. She's done a, a couple solid 100Ks. She'd actually done the 100K at Cloud Splitter two years two ago. Years ago. Um, she did a, uh, I'll say an FKT-esque route uh, with Lauren and I actually called Pitchell that um, goes from the ta- top of Mount Pisgah to the top of Mount Mitchell. We'll have a whole episode on that. And just to kind of sum it up, Morgan crushed it. Yeah. And yeah, like, like a like a wild, happy dog who would just get to the top of every climb and turn around and be like, "Are you guys coming? Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming?" And we were like, "Fucking kill me now!" Yeah, absolutely. And Laura and I were uh, dead dogs. Dead, we were the dead dogs. Yeah. So, um, so Morgan has a, I mean, honestly, to me, a pretty impressive resume because mm-hmm. she she's just a very strong runner. So when she said she wanted to do this as a first hundred miler, there was a lot of people that said, I'm in because yeah. of... They also said, why? Yes. <laughs> why, Morgan? And she said, I like to pick something hard because I, I would like to get the hardest the hardest possible 100 out of the way so that it was only easier from here on out. And I think given the finish times and the winning times, you'll see that it's pretty comparable to some extremely tough Western races. Absolutely. And so um, with Morgan having done... the 100K two years ago at Cloud Splitter. One of the initial reasons that she picked this race was because one of the RD's goals was to bring a race to a more rural or kind of like underdeveloped, mm-hmm. underfunded area or a place that didn't get much. Um, and to make people cry. Yeah, to make people cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Morgan, that was like a soft spot in her heart. So previously, this race was actually held in Elkhorn City in Kentucky. Um, and something happened with permitting this year 
where the RD actually had to come up with a new course with like what just like a four month, three month, four, four month window, three, four month window, and just I mean, way to go to create a new course really in phenomenal. a new state. Yeah. So, so I, basically, I, the same course on the opposite side of the canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, just in Virginia as opposed to Kentucky. Yep. Um, and equally technical equally uh, difficult, maybe a little bit more gain than in previous yeah. years. Yeah. And I would say that the format was a little bit unique from a course uh, layout perspective. So if you look oh, at the course the pinball map, machine yes. of madness. Yes. Also, so the map looked like the flux capacitor and <laughs> the car for Back to the Future. So <laughs> you can imagine like that little Y shape there. The runners would go from like the center of the flux capacitor. And then out. And, and then, then back, back again. And then out and back. And out and back. And out and back. And out and back. And then a circle. And then and then you spin around a bat 15 times and then you fall over and then you go back out into the woods yes. and then you come back yeah. again. Tr- really classic 100-mile route. So, yeah. so these are all the things that, believe it or not, contributed to Morgan wanting to do this race, it being very difficult, having very rocky terrain, um, being in a yeah. rural area for the she's, most part. I can't. I mean, she's made of sunshine and rainbows, but she's also totally batshit crazy in that... And she loves the people of Appalachia. She (laughs) also does. She has a soft spot for the people of Appalachia. So uh, I think that her her desire uh, doesn't really match her confidence because I think Morgan's ability to really crush something that's impossibly hard with grace, I I just can't can't emphasize enough that I've never seen anybody run 100 and just, I mean, scare. Just be able to run at 80, 90, uh, past 100 miles. Just the grace with which she continued on. And, I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, she finished it. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Which honestly isn't a spoiler alert. No, it's because, not. Because uh, anybody who knows her at all knows that she was going to finish. It was just going to be what the journey was like for her yeah. between starting and finishing. Which, let's get to that. Yeah. So, um, I think this uh, conversation will be a little bit unique because... Typically, I only hear about the experience of a race through a runner's eyes, and we, between Lauren and I, we also crewed and paced Morgan, um, so we'll kind of get like a 360 view of what the runner kind of communicated what was going on, what the pacer saw going on, and what the crew got in a uh-huh. two-minute dump when they yeah. came into the aid station. And I'd like to say that we are, if we are not seasoned ultra-marathoners, we are extremely uh, seasoned connoisseurs of the crewer pacer oh, life. absolutely. We can tell you where the best food, the warmest showers, the quietest place to sleep is. The best drives, the, like the, yeah, oh, yeah. the most fun to crew, the hardest to crew, for right, sure. Right, right. Who has the best uh, ambiance, yeah. you know, the most romantic lighting, if you will. <laughs> I mean, all of these things. So yeah. we're going to come out with a Zagat's guide to so, 100-milers. <laughs> I would say, compared to previous years at Cloud Splitter, the drives between aid stations, was an improvement. However, it still wasn't a jolly good time because you had to go from point bark, A to point B, to bark point camp B. to high knob, to bark camp to high knob. And at some point, you start to feel like you are in Groundhog Day and you yeah. want to shoot yourself in the eyeball yeah. because you've been driving down the same uh, single lane gravel road in the fog, in the fog, back and forth all day. And we are sitting here complaining as yeah. oh, crew no. people. I'm very aware of how yes. pitiful it is for us yeah. to complain that we were in a warm car <laughs> with our asses in seats while someone else was out there absolutely grinding. So, uh, some Morgan starts to race, we'll say. Some Morgan mm-hmm. starts to mm-hmm. race. There ended up being, I think there was a total of like 55 100 mile, 100 mile runners. Somewhere in there. Um, and I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> Sorry. And the, you guys can look it up. Yeah, if you're you, interested, you, you look, look up the up. exact stats and, and comment that we were wrong. That'll happen a lot, I'm sure. Um, but so she started out, she felt really confident. Um, kind of, I won't say surprisingly, but I guess surprisingly, Morgan was very calm before the beginning yeah. of the race, which yeah. um, we kind of jokingly refer to Morgan as like a hyper ball of light, you mm-hmm. know, that like even yeah. a photograph can't capture her in stillness. Um, and she, she operates was, at a high frequency of energy <laughs> yes and positivity um but she was very like kind of mellow yeah kinda and mellow. just said you know i'm ready i'm ready to get this i'm ready to do this mm-hmm. like what she had even said the night before like mm-hmm. i'm ready to get this done so uh they take off you know a little bit before sunrise on saturday morning and 
the morning after uh, the homecoming at, at the local town of <laughs> yes. Norton with a football field covered in confetti. Yes. I have to say, it was very picturesque. Yes. I mean, the the orangish lavender light rising over the, the mountain yonder and the, the... I mean, it was just a slice of Americana. <laughs> Lauren is a poet at heart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they... We saw her first at 19? No, 9. We saw her first at the 9 mile mark. I was not available for that. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm missing like a whole tangent. So, (laughs) as if it wasn't enough to have, because all in all, from our Columbus, Ohio crew, we had 8 runners, which is insane. We had 8 runners. We had like another 6 people crewing. More than that. Yeah. More than that. There were at least 10 of us crewing. Yeah. And... Uh, Lauren and Sandman, another woman in our crew, decided that it wasn't enough to crew a 100-mile race and have people running all of the distances of the race, but that they also needed to go do... I mean, it's not a vertical 10K, but, I mean, it was a 10... That's what it's called. Is it called a vertical 10K? Yeah, it's, okay. it's 2,057 feet straight up. So it was the Hellbender 10K. Also known as a snot otter. <laughs> if you're not familiar with a hellbender, Google image that now and it will absolutely scare the pee-pee out of your panties. Or just imagine what a snot otter looks like <laughs> and you will have gotten the gist. If you think like a wet puppy is a cute thing, you might, and you also are a fan of reptiles. And boogers. And boogers. You're going to love this animal. I promise. I feel like we should do a PSA to say that no um, they're very important to the ecology of Virginia. Oh, yes. Yeah. And please report one if you see one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lauren and Sandman did uh, the Hellbender 10K uh, while we went to the first, the rest of the crew went to the first aid station. And no big deal. Just got second and third female in the Kentucky, Virginia road <laughs> Uh, road, road mountain cha- mountain road. championships. Who the hell knows what a road mountain championship yeah. is? I feel like they're making these these things up. I don't know. It was on their website, and me being the total dingle hopper that I am, got really amped on <laughs> on that honorary title, and immediately texted my my coach out west. I'm the road mountain second place women's <laughs> champion. Please tell me I did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're qualified for the next echelon of road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. The, the lizard slalom championships. Of Eastern Ma- United States. That's exactly right. Crushed it. The, the Rhode Island Masters Junior Novice <laughs> Slalom Champions Experts. of the World. Okay. Yep. Got Glad it. we got that category. So, uh, so that was a tangent that was happening where Morgan and Sam Man ran their 10K, got second Lauren and third place. Sam. Did I say Morgan? Yeah, it's oh. okay. We're the same person. Okay, yeah. Lauren Morgan, just insert the right name. Yeah. Uh, so we see Morgan at the first aid station. It's nine miles in. Nine miles in on a 100 miler. Means is, nothing it's to nothing. anyone. I mean, it, it honestly feels like you just started. It went by really quick. The weather was fine. Unless um, the person is making the I want to die face, which yes, means the crew is going to have a very yes, long night too. Or if they start to say, oh, that injury that I was really worried about. It, it has flared up, and it's going to be a problem, um, which we've experienced for race when crewing people before, too. Yeah, but she true. had none of that, so it was a really easy... Also because she's invincible. Yes, also because she's invisible and built like a brick shithouse. <laughs> so. Do we mention that Morgan is this adorable, um, very pale-skinned, green and purpled-haired muscle maniac? Yes, and a, a fan of sloths. And a huge fan of sloths. Yeah, so just to give you the full picture. So she did her nine miles... Nothing. We saw her at 19 miles. Mm-hmm. She was still yep. just like, whoop. Skipping. Yeah. Skipping around. Yeah, just having a really good time. And she had, um, I think uh, by then she was still running with four other people, uh-huh. um, three of which she knew that uh-huh. were from Columbus. Yep. So that helped a lot. Morgan's a really social runner, which is great because it keeps her motivated on um, difficult parts of the race. So it was great that she had a lot of other people around her still at that point because, like I mentioned, there wasn't really that many uh, runners. I mean, considering 60 people over the course of 100 miles, it that's pretty It makes for a lonely-ass race, yeah. I'll tell you what. So uh, it was easy crewing her at that point. I think we did a little bit, maybe a tiny bit of heat management, a little bit of chafing issues she used... Two Toms blistered. No, we're not a sponsor. We're not a sponsor, but I will tell you, Two Toms is the jam. Yeah, so she used Two Toms Blister Shield, which is like a roller. And so we pretty much kept her 
in Greece coated in slime <laughs> the entire race. Like and, a snot otter. And she did not have the experience that a lot of us have had where you get in the shower after a race and, and you're you like, ah, sweet Jesus, my back, my back. <laughs> we call that having chicken skin. Yes. Where your pack rubs rubs part of your flesh uh-huh. off. Yes. Yeah, so it happens to everyone yeah. except, I don't know. I guess Morgan was I guess okay. Morgan, yeah. So she, um, she credits it to not having a problem with that. I think I credit it to the two times slime coating, which I also like to call the two times butt shield. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so two times stronger than your butt shield. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> two times butts. Uh, so really coasted through the first twenty miles. Um, just. I mean, just crushed. Uh, she did. She ended up having to go on her own a little bit early on because she left the 19-mile mm-hmm. aid station a little bit sooner a- ahead of the other right. person that right. she was kind of partnered right. with that's also from Columbus. Which is probably a, a good move on her part and a kind of a a, a bold move on her, her part. Morgan's the kind of lady who where if she can't hear your your footsteps behind her, she will just stop and wait for you, even if it's like the race of a lifetime. Yeah. So uh, we're really proud of her for actually pushing on because, I mean, it's there are a couple different kinds of runners. And I think Morgan is the kind of runner where even if she's winning, she would rather have you alongside her. Right. So she would probably slow down just to chill with you. Yeah. So it was, uh, I think, probably a result of some of her training that she did some of her solo her long run solo so she, because she wanted to she wanted to know that she could be comfortable being and I, she's still not yeah. she's still not but yeah. she did push i mean i feel like she pushed out of her comfort zone there yeah for sure so i think you know for the first i mean honestly it was like the first 30 40 miles i, I was going to say least. 50 miles but it oh, was because yeah, you're it probably was like right. until she you're probably right. until she got to the last 10 miles in the dark, before she could pick up a pacer, she uh, yes. she was, like, on cruise control. I mean, it was awesome. And she just, you know, we knew that one of the things that would be beneficial for her coming into aid station was just having her peeps around her. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Morgan had a lot of people there at the race for her because she is so... Beloved. Yes. And there are so many people that she's done this exact same thing for that when Mm -hmm. it came time for her to do the thing and be supported, Mm -hmm. she literally had. Yeah. I mean, she held me like a baby in the cold, wet night at Penhody and literally went fully underwater at a creek crossing just to make sure that I was safe before I crossed. So, yeah, I mean, she she would take all of her clothes off and put them on your body if she had to. Yep, and for me, she was still a ray of sunshine despite the fact that I was so tired at the end of Burning River 100 that I was pretending to pee so that I could stop running for a bit. We all have our excuses. Yeah. Your husband likes to pretend he's asleep. Yep. You like to pretend you're peeing. Yep. And I just actually have to poop the whole last 20 (laughs) miles of every 100-mile race. (laughs) Um, which, uh, so she got to her last 10 miles alone, really, before she picked up a pacer, and that had given her a little bit of a trouble because it was a very non-runnable section of the course, so Mm -hmm. she, she was just having to go really slow all by herself, first, first dark, dark part of the race, and came into the aid station and was, like, a little, I guess, flustered, maybe... Yeah. I don't know. I'm the jackass who tried to stay awake from for at High Knob and ended up just going to sleep in the car after dancing for two mm-hmm, hours mm-hmm, with Annie, mm-hmm. which weirds people out a little bit. We had like we had like 500 glow sticks and balloons. I was yeah. going to I mean, let's just say if you're running a hundred mile race, you're going to you're going to be hoping you will run into us because we're either in full sized foot costumes or we're having a full blown rave. Yeah. And I tuckered myself out at the rave, went to the car and slept, so I missed her at the aid station. But I'd like to say I'd like to tout some of the the good things about the RD and and how she recovered from having a, a major logistical issue on her hands very close to her race. But I'd also like to give some, you know, some feedback that's not as positive and, you know, I have to say, as someone who has who has directed several races myself uh, in the cycling world, it's very, very hard to promise that everything's going to go right. And it's also, they're just things that are out of your control and that there, there are things that you just can't see coming. Um, but some of the things that I think that could have been uh, just managed better were course markings. I mean, 
Yeah. In the dark of night at High Knob, the only reason why people knew where to go was because Annie had made chalk marks on the ground and we had blown up balloons and put glow you know, sticks, glow sticks everywhere. So uh, I feel like there were places where confidence markers were rampant, like the the first and last 10 miles. That was great when you're like out in the woods and you really are thinking this can't be right. But mid-course, I feel like there were a lot of places where people were just desperately <laughs> searching for anything in the night. And they were yeah. popping up out of into aid stations from, from the wrong directions. Or saying, hey, I, I was on the other side of the lake. Um, just a lot of lost people who were already having the hardest race of their lives. Yeah. And I think um, when I think about uh, the best races that I've seen course marking-wise... It's almost obscene the amount of course yeah. markers that there are. And I, I would say in particular in this race format when there is a lot of back and forth, knowing marking that like two-way traffic is really important, especially mm. from the aid station perspective. Mm. When you have an aid station that is managing people coming and in going. from coming yes. and going from three different directions, because depending on what distance of the race you were doing, you were sometimes turning around right mm-hmm. after the aid station. And you would be sometimes looping. Yep. Sometimes and you had to come through twice. Right. And, and you know, as a volunteer, I mean, that's a hard thing to manage even for a really tenured race and sure. very experienced When your brain volunteers. is tired, you want nothing more than someone to physically grab your shoulders and say, Lauren, go that way. I mean, I can't, I'm already managing so many other issues like fatigue, pain, gastrointestinal discomfort, like just fucking tell me where to go, man. Yeah. And I feel like where we've seen success with this is places where the aid stations have veterans and the people who have been setting up the logistics for those races are very skilled, such as Burning River, where where they have they have two-way traffic at an aid station. They have aid stations on both sides so of that trail. Almost, so there is no confusion. It's like you come in it's on genius. the left side, you go out it's on the genius. right side. Um, so, but I think, you know, that's part of just building your race out over time. Sure. And, sure. oh my gosh, the volunteers were unbelievably good super enthusiastic so yeah. um whereas they may not have been ultra runners themselves to provide that level of expertise they the were level s- of love was unparalleled yes. absolutely and i saw i know uh bigger races where you typically have like volunteer shifts i saw the same fucking i saw people, people work all for 14 the entire hours. race unbelievable. the entire race it's a 40 hour race yeah, y'all it was insane so the act of volunteering there was an endurance uh event in it in and of itself sure. so to anybody listening, if you're on the, if you've thought about like volunteering, or let's say that you are a person who is getting ready to do your first hundred miler, mm-hmm. I think a great suggestion is always to volunteer at a hundred mile race, and I would highly encourage you to volunteer at Cloud Splitter. However, uh, do not be deterred by the faces of the people that you see come through between uh, fifty and a hundred miles, because I know that crewing at Not Your Mama's last year, I saw people. I had this moment last year where I thought. Lord have mercy. People coming through here look like they have cancer. (laughs) Why on earth are we letting these people go back into the woods in the middle of the night? Yeah. They're... The cheeks sunken in. The cheeks sunken in. The the blood has drained from their Somehow faces. Somehow it looks like some of their hair is gone. <laughs> like it's like matted <laughs> they, together. They have like this sort of waxy, wet complexion. They just look like they've been in chemo all day long. And you're like, I'm encouraging this man to go back yeah. into the night right now. Yeah. This is fucking madness. Yeah. So be prepared for the gruesome, the gruesomeness of what you might see. Yeah. Yeah. So... We are, you know, we're getting to the first nighttime of Cloud Splitter. The first nighttime. The first nighttime, the, you know, that gives you a, an indication of how, of how long this insanely long this is. Um, so we get to the first night. Morgan get has a rough 10 miles before she picks up her pacer, but then... Um, L- she, let me add, when she says a rough 10 miles, she only means because of loneliness. Yes. Not because of pain. No. Not because of sleepiness. No. Nope. Or fatigue. Or injury. Or no. injury. Because of loneliness. Yep. So this is an athlete who is basically unflappable other than needing a pal so that she can hear footfalls behind her. Yep. So she picks up Tracy, her first pacer, mm-hmm. for, I think she had like a 15 mile yep. spell. Yep. Um, the level of jazz within our group oh, cannot insane. be, cannot be 
uh, overestimated. Right. No. There, no. We had glow sticks. We had a megaphone. We had a cowbell. We had foot costumes. We had we tutus. Had eyeball lights. Eyeball lights. We had yelling. We had every oh kind God. of and thing that could infuse cheer into a runner. And Morgan was so into it. She came through one aid station and we had these little rings that were uh, had little glow sticks through them that lit them up. And we had uh, pumpkins and skulls. And she reacted as though they were both things that were like... Uh, Necessary. Like, completely. Do, ne- I, do I take my hydration vest with yes. me? Yes. Do, do I, I take salt caps? Skull? Yes. So we said, do you want a pumpkin skull ring? And she was like, yes. They're like, okay, do you want a, a skull ring? And she was like, yes. And she just held up her hands as if to say, put them on me. Don my rings. <laughs> Don my rings. <laughs> give me salt tabs. Give, give me, me rings. Give me rings. <laughs> so we put, gl- I mean, and I think they were cutting out for circulation and she still ran 15 miles wearing two glow-in-the-dark rings yep. because they brought her joy. Yep. So she goes with her first uh, Pacer Tracy, who, as Lauren Pacer mentioned, Tracy. She Pacer Tracy, she needs that T-shirt yes, in her uh, life, wearing a necklace of eyeball LED lights. Which you might be wondering, where does one get those? Remember, it's Halloween time. So, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Halloween lights. She makes a joke that her eyes are on Morgan. Morgan loves this. <laughs> she loves a, a bad dad joke. They take off into the night. Maybe literally giggling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They actually, they went into the woods the wrong way, all had a good laugh, popped back out with their eyeball lights, and then went back into the woods. We proceed to drive to the next aid station, which is an aid station we've been to, you know, 16 times before. Fuck my life. (laughs) We come, we see her there. We come back. Or is that the aid station where we got to stay there? Did we get to stay at High Knob for two? No. We had to go back. We had and to forth. go back to Bar Camp yes. and then come back to. But we didn't get to stay at either of them. Yeah, uh, we come back to High Knob to end Tracy's. Yes, so that Tyler could pick Morgan up. Yes, pacer number two. Oh, I, I know what I mixed up. Okay, Tracy picked up Morgan at Bar Camp. At Bar Camp, and we saw her finish out. Tra- Tracy finished out her pacer miles at High Knob. True. And she, Morgan got to pick up her second pacer, Tyler, Mm -hmm. and they did about 15 miles together. Oh my God, and Tyler proved to be just like a fountain of calm, wisdom, and silliness, just like everything that a person could ever want in a pacer. Just like turning around every negative emotion, making every possible weepy, pouty moment into something just fun and silly. I just... Mantras... Out just the, out the wazoo. Freaking unbelievably good. This may not translate without knowing all of the players personally, but just to give you an example of one of the mantras that carried Morgan through was uh, arriving at the mantra, a purpose. A porpoise, porpoise with, with a purpose. purpose. Ah, I can't do the dolphin noise. <laughs> so we always talk about if you're going to walk, walk with a purpose because don't just death march for 20 miles because you're feeling sick. Uh, so t- it'll make everything take so much fucking it's longer. It's just not worth it'll it. It'll just extend your misery if forever. If it hurts to walk, it hurts to run, might as well run. So you should walk with a purpose, like, <laughs> a, like a porpoise with a purpose. Who has to poop? <laughs> I can't make the dolphin noise, but I can do the, I can do the Donald Duck do- noise, which goes... <laughs> which... <laughs> what I did for Morgan during my leg, she said, sounded like the gates of hell. Which, another indication of how this race ended up going. So weird. Tyler has her fountain of mantras. It's perfect. It's it's itching Morgan just right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard podcasts talk about, like, pacer tips and everything. If you are listening to this, you cannot assume that what works for one runner will work for another. If you said a porpoise with a purpose to my husband while running an ultra. He would trip you and leave you in the dirt. He would trip you, hope that you broke your leg, and then he would quietly disappear into the night, gladly leaving you for dead. So read your runners. Read your runners. Read your runners. Or just ask them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because if you ask me, I don't want anyone to be like, you're going to be great. It's going to be so good. You're going to get a belt buckle. Everyone's going to love you. I don't want any of that shit. I want you to be like, you have to do this. This is not a laughing matter. This is not a good time. This is, you know, I just want someone to be Add like a lot of weight to it. Yeah, make some give give me some gravitas, you know, yeah. and and just be like, you better fucking do this. Yeah, that's what I need. Yeah, which is a completely different tone. Yeah, then I mean, for Morgan, it was all about like 
the cute little sayings, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. eternal optimism, even when she couldn't respond to it. Oh, and her ex-roommate making her this glorious felted poster that had the actual elevation profile in felt mountains. Like I said, if you're looking for a crew that will keep you going through any race, we are $2,000 per weekend. <laughs> we will go literally anywhere if you pay for our flight. Change your shoes, change your socks. We will touch your dirty, funky feet. I will stick clean Hypothermic, hypodermic needles through them. I will, I will burst your blisters for you. I will rub your shoulders. Yep. Hand you, hand you wipes. Take your dirty ones in a bag. Check or money order to my email. <laughs> it's done. Professional it's done. crew. You, you need glow sticks. What do you need? What do you need? Glow. You need glow rings. We got you. Pumpkin ring. What Pumpkin ring. Skull, skull rings. rings. We got Easter it all. Ring? We do it all. I know it's off season, but do you want an Easter ring? You what, do you. You. You need an Easter ring. We'll get you an Easter ring with you, nail polish. By you know, three running a hundred mile is like it being your wedding day. You get whatever mm-hmm. the fuck you want. If Morgan would have said, "I don't care where the nearest Sonic is. I want yeah. a blue slushy." Yep, we would have done it. We would have gotten it. Yep, we would have gotten it. Um, yep. So, on to day two, day two of Cloud Splitter, which, uh, just to, to remind you and to keep things in perspective, this is a, a UTMB qualifier. Mm-hmm. It's a 40-hour cutoff, and it's historically a slow race, and this year an even slower race. I think the men's winning time was an hour slower than last year's. I just looked this up. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised by that because I really assumed that it was going to be about... Mm, 10 hours slower than last year's race just given conditions it did rain from about midnight until the midnight the next day yeah there was no one that finished under 24 hours which to me is like i mean is kind of an insane it is insane thing to think about uh so we're we're on day two which most hundreds i mean for we'll say for the average for almost all runners they're getting into day two sure yeah um, for us mortals, we're, yeah. we're a day two hundred yeah. mile finisher. So day two, Morgan's starting to get a little bit more emotional. So as she's finishing up with Tyler, yeah. the, the rocks, the rocks are, are getting making her, her weepy. Yeah, she, she's on this uh, seven. Well, she said nine mile. My watch said seven point one two, but nine mile loop called Devil's Fork, Fork, which is s- sincerely an unrunnable seven miles. It's either so steep or so technical or it's a river crossing. So, I mean, really... And remember, we're East Coast runners. So technical, like, means technical. Yeah. Lots, lots and lots of rocks. Like, lots and lots of wet, lots of moss, lots of, like, slick... Rocks that move. Not, like, not bouldering. Not not, graveling. Not (laughs) graveling. Like, big, slippery rocks that when you stand on them, they go, whoop, and they eject you off of them. And... Large. So some parts of the trail, they're just dried up creek beds with large boulders in them. And I think this is really what was getting to Morgan. I mean, she was just standing in front of a pile of them and just being like, no. Yeah. And I get why. I mean, just the agility of your, like, keeping your foot stable without it, like, without your foot tuckering out. Just from, like, every pivot motion that you have to make in order to, like you know, navigate these rocks. I, I and mean, it's like decision fatigue. So It is. Your brain's tired in addition to all the tiny muscles in your because feet. Because even on the most difficult, like, elevation gain races, at least you, you can still just look just kind up of and auto- chug away. Yeah, you can just kind of let your mm-hmm. brain, t- like, zone ding, out, ding, and you ding, just have to ding, go up. One foot after you the other. You just have to go up. Yeah, and you can do that. Breathe slow. You turn your stair mill to, to you know, number level five. Four, yeah. Level four, level oh, five. Lauren's a level five. I'm yeah. a level four. Well, yeah. you know, you do what you yeah. need to do. <laughs> And you just chug away. But this is just like... Do your, I put my foot here? Your Do brain never stops working. Balancing the whole time. Mm-hmm. So asking her after the race what was making her cry, essentially, because this is... this is The only time we've ever seen Morgan Green crying in our entire lives. Yes. Uh, I asked her, like, what, you know, tell me the reason why you cried, even if it's the most absurd sure. thing. Like, yeah. you know, I've I've had distress during a race because the strap of a handheld was, was making, making her too hot. So, My you know, is hot. <laughs> so, and Morgan said that it was literally the rocks. Yeah, it was. And I see why. Yeah. I see why. Yeah, I think that's valid. And also, again, back to her uh strength. Mm-hmm. She wasn't having 
I mean, she may argue, but she wasn't really having an emotional low. She was having no, like a frustration with Just, a co- like a course feature. Like, yeah, that was it. I, like she wasn't limping. I mean, if you asked her to do like a burpee, she could have done it. Where yeah. most people would have been like laying down on the ground and crying, yeah, kind of gimpy. Her agility was still there. Her proprioception was still good. She just had a lot of strength left. It was just that she was frustrated with having to navigate these terrains. Right. So she came back through her to for her second loop of Devil's Fork, and I picked her up in the early morning or mm-hmm. mid morning on day two. Yeah, and Lauren did pace Morgan for twenty two miles, and she got to be the last finisher to bring it's her my home. Favorite bring thing. her home. It's such a it's such a delight when someone will give you that gift, because really it's so selfish of me, selfishly of me. I would love to be there for the last part because I get to see you finish. I get to see your lowest low and your highest high in the whole race. I was just going to say that because especially with 22 miles, like that's, that's a big enough chunk that you're typically catching the last part of the really low zone. Mm -hmm. And then you get to see the elation of like, we're wrapping it up. Yeah. We're also like in, we're in PR town because we're, we've never been to these miles before. So at least we've got a little bit of juice from being like, oh my God, 82 miles. I've never seen 82 miles on my watch, which is what she said to me. And I was like, and you know, then I ring the invisible bell and scream PR town. So we, we had little peaks and valleys. We had a really nice stretch where we finally got out of the what we were calling the devil's butthole. Um, <laughs> we got out into some double-track Jeep roads, and we had purposefully saved a fully charged blast speaker, and I had downloaded the best of Tom Petty. I know it sounds like a real, a real bummer and like real a sad super fest. bad idea, but for us, it was just a springboard. We we opened with American Girl, which she just texted me this morning that she listened to it and she immediately cried. I, I was having such a hard time not crying. I mean, we had been doing 25-minute miles and I put on American Girl and we did a 10-minute mile. Uh, which, that's I mean, insane. It like, was again, insane. Going back to the D- differentiating the power between... power level left the there. Co- yeah, differentiating between pace because of the course and mm-hmm. pace because of ability. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, I've we never kept saying, been... we can't wait for you to run, you know, a, do a runnable 100 to see yeah. how insanely fast you can yeah. do it. Just blow your shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> um, Morgan, it was funny with her coming and again, talking about like getting the different perspective of like crew, runner, pacer. It was, it was awesome and funny to like have Morgan come into the aid station. And I, I, I know what that, that like story that thundercloud of what's going on inside of you when you just want to, like, kind of cry at everything. Oh, yeah. You know, what that feels like. But as ultra runners, like, you get to a point where you're so, like, I'll say practiced on the outside where, you know, day in and day out training, you're teaching yourself, like, this is not a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I'm doing 30 Mm -hmm. miles and 20 miles Mm -hmm. this weekend back to back, Mm -hmm. but it's not a big deal. Like, I'm practicing kind of like... Do the work, no no drama. Yeah, Yeah, no drama. So even though on the inside you feel, like, complete shit on the outside you know morgan is like i've been crying a lot yeah so matter of fact and that like, makes me think of gary robbins in his car and it's snowing outside and he's training for barclays and he's just like i really don't want to go out there <laughs> and that's like it that's like the that's extent, it that's, that's like the extent extent of, of like, his whole pity party right. he's just like this is going to stink. And then, boom, he's gone on an eight-hour run with, he's like, 10,000 feet of gain. He's yeah. just like, well, I got to do it. Yep. Um, and she also said, like, this is very hard. Why <laughs> is this so hard? Yeah. I think that because she had had such a relatively easy time doing Pitchell, which is, like, yeah. a what ended up being an over-70-mile challenge yeah. for us, um, she had very, very little trouble then until maybe an hour after that race, which sure. she ended up puking out of the car, most probably because of motion sickness. So, yeah. which is, Or insure. Yeah, or insure. Who knows? We'll, we'll do a whole episode on if you should drink insure or not. But I, I just don't think... Nothing had ever, what I would say, like, taken Morgan's soul from her. She had done 100Ks. She had done, you know, the, the one-mile loop at 024. She had done 75 miles there. Yeah. Just to polish off a nice... Yeah. Odd number. Yeah. And uh, I just feel like nothing had ever taken Morgan to the point where she was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I would argue that she still hasn't. 
her potential. Really? There, yeah, her potential there because yeah, if, it, if right. this had been any more right. of a runnable course, she would have like. Yeah, frankly, at the last final three miles of that race, I'm telling you, and she might, she will probably vehemently disagree with me. Morgan could have run twenty more miles, easily. I, I would, I could completely see that. She Especially was moving with any kind so of with such train. fluidity. Once we got to Rhodes, Morgan was doing solid elevens, relentlessly. Which, she doesn't even know that she was doing that. Not to mention, this isn't a hundred mile race. This is a hundred and three. Hundred and three. A hundred and three mile race. Why, God? Why this place? <laughs> <laughs> I so. You do the last 22 with her. You get to bring her home. Oh, yeah. After the second night has set in. We did not see this coming, guys. We left at mile 79 with no headlamps and no raincoats because at the moment it was 75 degrees, really like just densely humid and very warm. We were sweating our faces off. So we didn't think these were things we would ever need. Right. And I will say as an experienced crew person, the letting your runner go without considering that they need to have a headlamp just stop you know, kicking yourself I, stop kicking yourself it doesn't keep me up at night but maybe i stay up a little later yeah yeah whatever i wasn't worried about it but my my theory is that when we talked about her race and when morgan talked about her race and when we all imagined her finishing it was not in a second nighttime no and we just we could not have foreseen the level of, of, of technicality of the course, we couldn't have foreseen the weather. I mean, we... we and knew- I'll interject, too. Morgan had gone down and done a training weekend on the course for an entire weekend. and She knew it was coming. Yeah, and she was still... I mean, but it's still between the training weekend experience and the race. It was still kind of a mind fuck because I don't think people knew that they were going to have to do so many out and backs from the same areas. Yeah. And people were just getting to this point where, like, they were burning their brain out on the same stretch of land. Right. And, uh... I can't remember if it, it was you that was talking during our kind of like recap of everything where it was like, you know, it wasn't so bad to be like, oh, I have to do the same awful thing again. Mm-hmm. A lot of races have loop courses where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, in 16 miles, I'm going to have to do that horrible climb again. Yes, this, that was me. This was like, I had this four miles later. <sighs> we're back at the same fucking devil's butthole. Why? <laughs> I was just fucking here. Yes. And like Morgan was talking about doing the Chief Benji trail section, which didn't sound like it was horrible, horrible. Oh, she but complained she, about Benji the yeah, entire night. Yeah, so no disrespect, Benji. Um, Sorry, Benji. But she, they did that. I mean, Devil's Fork at least had a little bit of part where you were doing like an out and back or something in between. No, it was a loop. I know, but was it just like... Oh, yeah. No, I can't really... I, I'm the kind of person who cannot tell you about the details. <laughs> I've, I've already deleted major chunks of my <laughs> 22 miles with her. If I don't like something about a chorus, it's already it's dead just to gone. Me. Just I gone. don't remember. Morgan talks about this part where there was grass. I it's gone. It's gone. I deleted it. It's amazing to me the like emotional and psychological experience of either running or crewing a 100-mile race because time starts to lose all uh, meaning. And yes. like so you know, with this having a 40-hour cutoff and us being out there for, you know, that whole time, it everything starts to become very surreal because sure. especially, and this was a, a wild card factor, especially when you're going back and forth between the same three aid stations because you're like, I was, I was just here. here. Like, what time was I here? What time did Who I Who am leave? I? What time Why? is it? Who are you? Pizza Who am me? I? I hate everything. <laughs> Let me nap. Don't touch me. I'm so dirty. So it was so, it was like, it, it was just, it was so strange, like, trying to keep a, a linear timeline of what was happening. And there's just no bathrooms anywhere at High Knobs. So you're just like, I'm dirty, I'm tired, I hate everyone. I just want to pee- poop! I've peed so many times without wiping. I'm so filthy, please take me home. <laughs> and let's just be clear, Lauren was a pacer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm complaining an extra no, bunch. Yeah, um... Lauren gets to bring Morgan in home. So we did not anticipate. We thought that the the final, we had been told by several aid stations that the final seven-ish miles were going to be on road. And then we came through a couple aid stations towards the end and they were like, you know, in, in typical Ozark fashion, they were like, oh, no, you're going to take a, take a ride of the trail and then turn left of the trail and there's another trail and then there's a dam and then there's a Boy Scout trail and then there's a trail. And we were like, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, yeah, no, it's it's trail the whole way back. 
And Morgan, I think, had a hard time puzzling out that it was the same trail as the beginning because it just, it, in addition to looking so much different, it's also you just delete the first 10 miles of your yeah. race because you're so amped. So we ended up doing this, a lot of technical trail, a lot of double track that was grown over and also four inches deep with water. By the light of an iPhone. Yeah. So we had my iPhone. We couldn't use Morgan's iPhone because neither one of our hands could manipulate the fields on the phone. It, because it started to pour. It was pouring so hard that race. at some point, maybe with five to go, it was physically hurting our skin. And the wind is blowing us sideways. Our stereo has died. So there's no like amp us up music. Yeah. We have no lights. And with probably at least three to go, we were in the dark. So we took my Ziploc bagged iPhone and she insisted that I hold it. And I didn't even think for a quarter mile, Morgan's doing this to save me. I was like, this is total <laughs> more, fucking just madness. An, just an insight into Morgan's personality. She's looking out for Lauren she's when looking she's out finishing for me at the her end of her race. race. And I was like, oh, I see what's going on. I was like, Morgan, take my fucking phone. And she's like, are you sure? I mean, Morgan, take the phone. <laughs> so I gave her the phone and we descended this last two miles in the technical, technical deep woods. Yeah. And it was straight down. And a guy at an aid station, maybe with like th three or four to go, had told us like, don't fall on your ass. And we had not known what that meant. And it was just a slick ass mudslide. And Morgan was like, I will not cross that finish line with a muddy butt. So she fell like four times on her hands. The only time she fell during the entire race. Oh, like a crab at least three times. We butt wiped her hands off and sent her on her merry way. But the, the guy I want to back up for a second, the guy at the last aid station... This is just another example of why you need an ultra runner at your aid station. And though we received so much loving care from the folks of Norton, this fellow had said to us... Because um, you guys had asked where... We said, the how high do you school, get back? Yeah, how do you, how do you get to the high school? school? And he said, well, there's a shortcut. And I literally screeched at him. I said... Just to emphasize, he said there's a shortcut compared to the course. He was yeah, telling yeah. them... There's a way on the course, but there's a shortcut. And I, I said... My friend has been running for 36 hours and she needs a belt buckle. And he was like, that still did not permeate. And he said, or I could drive you. And I was like, we're fucking, fuck, just get a fucking Reese's peanut butter cup and we're leaving. And I there was, was like, no, don't look at that man. And there was no facade of like, oh, we're thinking about dropping. They were just trying to figure out how far did they have to go. We had made it a hundred miles. Yes. And we like had three to go. And this man offered us a ride in his car. Yeah. And there was also no bad intent from this man. Not I at think all. He was literally, it sounded like he, he literally was just like, oh, you're trying to get to the high school? Let's I can get, get you, you to, to the, the high school. school. But he was also working an aid station. He was working the final aid station of a hundred mile race. People are probably looking at him like, please, Jesus, take my soul from me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we uh, said thank you and f and good day, sir, and we um, made it out to the road finally, which was like point six to go, and we were pretty lost there. I think Morgan was uh, so excited to s to finish that she thought that the water filtration plant was the high school, and I was like, Morgan, do not turn there. <laughs> also, that is not the way. You guys ran across a dam. Yes. On the way back, and Morgan was like, I, I no never I don't remember, because that part was the same as when they had started, and she was like, I don't remember running over a dam. Amazing to me. So we finished in 36 hours and some minutes. Yeah. I think it was like 36 and a half hours. 36 and 26-ish. 20, yeah. I say we. I mean Morgan. In the pouring fucking rain. In the driving I rain. Mean, it had been kind of drizzling for most of the second half of the race, but it really fucking yeah. poured at the end, which just, just you know, fuck Virginia uh, just weather, just kind of adding insult to injury. Like, but there was an element, let's say, of adventure, and Morgan sure. felt it too. Yeah. Because when we were descending in those last final miles, when it was muddy, it was dark, the wind was blowing, we knew we had to keep speed so we wouldn't get hypothermic, and I think... Neither one of us frowned for a second. Not once. Because we were just like, ooh, this is dangerous. <laughs> like, I think we both really were feeding off the fact that we, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Morgan and I have come into the finish of a race together, for, together or for one another, and and just felt like this absolutely tingly sense of elation and and that kind of can start early at the end of a hundred mile race yeah where you can you can feed off that buzz for five yeah. whole miles yeah we're like the novelty of it the almost, novelty yeah. is just still like a hot burning flame 
Um, and that also helps alleviate my guilt about not getting them a headlamp, uh, is that it contributed uh, to their sense of adventure. Precisely. precisely. I, I mean, that's going to go in my girl. <laughs> and if you don't have a girl, you need one. It's where you write your girl feelings. Just letting you know. <laughs> Morgan finishes her first hundred mile. Unbelievable. Just, what, just, what can, a gem. And also doesn't flap around on the ground like a wimpy no. baby. Doesn't, doesn't have to doesn't sit down. Doesn't have any needs. Nothing. Doesn't need to be like, just fix my blisters, yep. touch my shoes. No, just Nothing. A, a vision of strength. I mean, vision really. Vision of floppiness. <laughs> her, her, like, physical, like, just it was just awesome and yeah. like no still able to walk the next day i think she had a little bit of uh, lower back soreness and neck soreness from looking down just to navigate technical yeah. sections but other than that morgan was feeling frisky by monday yeah so um uh, just so proud of her girl yeah uh, it's funny though because again what we know morgan is capable of and maybe what she feels sometimes are not congruent not congruent when she finished i feel like i've seen i feel like i've seen people finish 100 milers and it's like oh shit like i can't believe they did that or you always feel that way on your first 100 miler because i think most people their first hundo you're like i just don't have i just don't know if i can actually do this like i have no idea if i'm able to do this when morgan finished i thought well, yes. Yeah. Of course, of she, course, of course you did. she did. Of course you did. Again, no one ever thought no. that you wouldn't. So my brain like was just kind of like mission complete. Like yeah. I had no question yeah. that she would finish because Yeah, check that off on your chalkboard, yeah. Morgan. And yeah. no one ever ever doubted you. Yeah. And k- kudos to her. A hundred miles is no small thing. And this course, I mean, she was between waking up for the, the race, she was awake for forty hours. So And never sleepy. I mean, some of us get the sleepy weepies where you're just like, please don't make me go. She was just not, like, she didn't get what we call haunted, what my dad calls haunted face, which is what a lot of people get in ultras where it it's looks like. It's that cancer patient look. Yeah, someone of, who's yeah. like, you know, extracted your soul and you don't exist as a human anymore and you are no longer able to make decisions and you're just like, put pretzels in my mouth and a dry cotton t-shirt yeah. on me. I hate my life. Yeah. Didn't have that. So. So. Clouds for the 100. Morgan we give Green. it a D minus and we give Morgan an A plus. <laughs> plus, 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 plus. Congrats. <laughs> so we're on to this new segment uh, that we're calling uh, the Ultra Runners Toolbox. Um, this is uh, a section in which every week we're going to talk to you about a little something that we've learned that's either, uh, you know, worked for us or someone we know. Uh, most of it's pretty universal. And I think yeah. for this week... Uh, I think what we learned was pretty clear. Yeah, so we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, personal runner style. Mm-hmm. So kind of accommodating your runner as a crew person. Yes, or from a, a f- uh, from the flip side as a runner being very clear to your to crew, your crew. Yes. what you need. And again, it's like your wedding day. So it's like, yeah. I don't want fucking daisies. Yes, I want sure. lilies. You sure. get lilies. Yeah, you get whatever you want. So... Yeah, I would say that it's important. If you don't already do this, here's a little idea for you. Uh, The way that we operate in the sort of she-beast, gritty-titty world is that we often, we write up a geek sheet, a la Annie Lang, um, (laughs) and we tell our pacers what we need, and then we make a checklist so that when you come through your aid stations, you have a contact person that will have a clipboard or whatever to run through your list of Everything you can possibly need. And that checklist should include... To, for me, my preference, anyways, is to have everything that you could possibly want. So, is it butt lube? It's Sunscreen, extra salty food, salt tabs, ibuprofen. Spray. You know, a different buff, changing your shirt, changing, changing your, your socks, socks, changing your shoes. And even though it might be a little bit tedious, you know, leaving an aid station and being like, "God damn it, oh, I, I want a chapstick!" Had, yes. Like all I want is chapstick. And then you or have all I want to do is five miles face. without chapstick. You'll oh. really kick yourself in the pants yep. for it. It's worth the, the forty-five seconds of someone talking you through a list and asking the question and then also adding in any kind of special things that you might want at specific points. Yeah, so, little things like a, a note from your daughter yeah. or if you know that you have 
um, like a, a cookie that you brought that is like your fucking favorite thing yep. and it's just gonna shoot you into the stratosphere and be like, okay, employ the cookie now! Right, exactly. <laughs> or Morgan had new gloves that she was excited to wear at nighttime. Whatever it is, it's communicating what your needs are to your crew. Before the race begins. Before the race begins. Some of you may be willy-nilly 100-mile runners where you just show up with your shit. Cut that shit out. You can do that if you're running solo, but I can tell you from conversations with people who I won't mention their names that have (laughs) supported willy-nilly runners, being a crew person and not having guidance on what your runner might need from you can be stressful. Unless you literally are a runner who needs nothing. Yeah, so don't make your crew feel helpless. Or feel like they have to guess what you're going to need. Accommodating runner style. So for me, what I need from my crew is uh, order and a quick reaction. If I ask for a, if I ask for an insurer, I I need it like ASAP. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't typically need a lot of like emotional support for the most time. Mm-hmm. I do end up needing. Uh, I feel like more emotional support from my pacers when I do have them. Mm-hmm. But for my crew person, it's like I need A, B, and C. Get me A, B, and C. Let's do this. And then I and then I will sometimes even ask like, you need to get me out of here because I may just want to sit and stretch and putts exactly. Yeah. So and then you can speak to how you think because I feel like me, you, and Morgan are are all different pieces of the spectrum. So mm-hmm. maybe you can speak to how you think Morgan functions well. Yeah, yeah. So for Morgan, as we mentioned, she's like a she's very social, which is part of why we love her. And what would not ha- what she had for her from a crew perspective would not have worked for me, but it really worked for her. So she had, I mean, I think at most times she had probably six people, Easily. which is a lot for a crew. Yeah, this race certainly accommodated that volume well. There wasn't really space limitations as far mm-hmm. as around the aid station, mm-hmm. and at points we had talked about having one point person to talk to her as kind of like her we crew thought that chief. might work, and we were wrong. And what ended up happening is each one of us would ask like one or two questions at a time, but all of us were kind of talking. She enjoyed at that her. sort of like falling yeah, over. And, yeah, and yeah, and she really kind of like filled herself up with a social with that love. social interaction. She even said afterwards, like if somebody would have been absent, I would have wondered where they were. Sure. And like you know, she you know after at like the twenty mile mark, she was asking how Lauren and Sandman's silly. Hellbender ten k so had silly. gone. Um, so it, I think it's being self aware enough about those things to employ them. That's an important tool for you to have in your toolbox. What is your runner style? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I'm probably the, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. You are. The exact opposite end of the spectrum from Morgan is Lauren on her crew preferences. So for me, I I like a pile of hard asses. I mean, I really don't want anyone to baby me um, because I feel like as soon as somebody, it's sort of like being a kid on like the elementary school playground. If someone like kicks me in, in a adult looks at me like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm going to be like, it's going to set her off. I'm not okay. So if I come into an aid station and I look a little bit beat up, I have like a bloody knee or maybe like I look sad. As a crew person, you ignore it. Ignore me. I'm a behavior specialist. So we would call this engaging in a planned ignore. I would, (laughs) I would like for you to engage in a planned ignore at me. I like that phrase a lot. So what I need is I need as many people as possible, just like you and just like Morgan, but I want no one to talk to me. I want one person to ask me questions. And what I'd rather have is sort of like a silent smorgasbord of possibilities. Like I want to see, are my batteries here? I'll take them. Do I need butt lube? I'll take it. Am I considering eating a hot food? I'll take it. Just like have it laid out for me. Be ready to answer my questions, but basically don't speak to me. Yeah. Like, and no, like... Physical contact is like... Do not so hug she's me. She's not like a hugger. And I mean... Do not I've, touch me. <laughs> as a person who has physically... Seen Lauren like physically... I won't say assault, but <laughs> physically swept people away from her for, with her arm like, don't hug me because it... <laughs> What wherever her brain is from it a race triggers phase, an emotional response for me. Yeah, it makes her switch to like I think I'm a done. more of an emp- empathetic view, or where she's feeling a lot more emotional, where she needs to like stay in it. Yeah, like, I don't, I, I can't have you feel bad for me. Because I'll feel bad for me. And I think that's why I thrive without pacers. Yeah. Is because when there's no one to complain to, I have no complaints. There is no audience. There's no audience. And and I feel like a lot of my complaints just fizzle out into nothingness when there's no one, there's no sounding board for it. Yeah. So, so yeah, knowing, knowing know your style, your, know your, yeah. th- that is an important tool to have in your toolbox. And I would say 
again, it's your fucking wedding day. If you're not a person who hugs, damn it, you don't tell need them. to feel bad about yeah. not get like if somebody's like, oh, I just wanted to give you a hug and you wouldn't give me a hug. No, no, it doesn't. Pa- it doesn't matter. It's pamper not, yourself. It's not about you. You are doing the hardest thing in the world. Yep. So whatever, whatever you need, don't be afraid to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would say I feel like I I heard this as advice on race day two is like nobody's feelings get to be hurt about like what the runner does or say. Like, oh, you can't take that with yeah, you because, because I know that in the, my first attempt, second attempt at a hundred. I was a shit ball to my husband. I was like, where's my Gatorade? <laughs> and he never held it against me. And thank God he kind of gets the ultra thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you really can't take that home with you. Yeah. You have to wipe your feet and leave that place. Be yeah. like, no one ever yelled at me yep. for not having the right yep. wool socks for them. And Andy's crewed me a lot too. And we've had plenty of experiences where I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and then it's just, it's, it's over. Grilled, it's gone. Yeah. This grilled cheese was cold. Fuck you. I'm yep. leaving. <laughs> I'm out. And Andy is just like, uh-huh. Okay. Great. We'll I'll have it warm next time. Got it. Will do. <laughs> so that is the, that's the Ultra Runners Toolbox for this week. I, uh, I hope you'll join us next week for the next edition of Burf Barf. Barf. All right. Thanks for being with us. And we can't wait to tell you more. Bye-bye.